a.m. in New York, 1 p.m. in Johannesburg, and 6 p.m. in Bangkok. Welcome to the Expat Happy Hour. This is Sunday Schneider Bean from sundaybean.com. I'm a solution-oriented coach and intercultural strategist for individuals and organizations, and I am on a mission to help you adapt and succeed when living abroad and get you through any life transition. So there's someone that you might know that has a behind the scenes view of kids living abroad that we often ignore. And the person I'm thinking of is the international school counselor. Can you imagine what they're privy to? The international school counselor knows all of the kids in the school has dealt with so many cultures and watches kids when they're at their best and supports them when they feel the worst. Don't you kind of want to know what they know? Don't you wish that you had their wisdom so that you can support your kids in the best way possible? That is exactly why I've invited an international school counselor to Expat Happy Hour. It is my pleasure to welcome Aliza Pomichinska to Expat Happy Hour today. Aliza is a trained school counselor, psychologist, play therapist, and she's worked in both primary and secondary schools on three different continents, North America, Africa, and Asia. She specializes in attachment, childhood trauma, transitions, parenting, depression, and anxiety. Wow, it is such a pleasure to have Aliza here today. And I want to say something before she joins us. I met Aliza at an event in South Africa. And the moment I met her, I was impressed. She gets it. This woman is so savvy on international transitions and what we know about third culture and cross-cultural kids. I knew immediately I needed to invite her on Expat Happy Hour. So, Aliza, welcome to Expat Happy Hour, and we are so excited to learn from you today. So, Aliza, if you could scream into the <laughs> void, what, what are one or two things that you wish every parent at an international school knew Okay, thank you, Sunday. <laughs> so I think the number one thing that I wish that every parent of an international kid knew is that your kids are always in transition. So it doesn't really matter whether they're moving or whether they're being left behind. They're in transition one way or another. And a lot of times as expats, we assume, or parents, we assume, oh, we're not moving this year. We're not moving mm -hmm. until two years from now or three years from now. So that uh, T word, transition word, is mm -hmm. not really um, pertinent to our family this year. Right. But um, the thing that I would like you to consider as um, a parent of a third culture kid is that a lot of their friends are moving. So, for example, this um, week... Um, it's the, it was the second before last week of school. I went into, um, our classes, um, kids classes, and we talked about what does it mean to be a third culture kid and what does it mean to transition? And, you know, have you ever, um, have you ever moved? How many countries have you lived in and so forth? And when I asked how many, um, had your friends, how many of you had your friends move, um, 
virtually half of the certain classes would raise their hands. Mm-hmm. And how many of you miss your friends and how many of you stay in touch with your friends and, and so forth? And how many of you had friends move unexpectedly and you didn't get a chance to say goodbye? And how many of you are moving mm-hmm. this year and how many of you are staying? So it was it's it's a very confusing world. And even though your family might not be moving, your kids friends are moving. Well, here's what I wanted to, I want to jump in with a story that I don't, I think I've shared on social media and I'm not proud to share it, to be really honest. <laughs> so I am an intercultural transition specialist. Mm-hmm. I should know this. I should live this. Right. Mm-hmm. So last, it was it last year we were moving mm-hmm. and I was busy end of year. We were going whatever. And I knew I had to pick up one of my sons and one of his friends was moving. Mm-hmm. And I know that, right? And I was doing all the right things. Like we were going to have the good night sleepover, the double sleepover and all the thing, you know, <laughs> so they can have their transition time, right? Yes. I, I like from the outside, it might've looked like I was doing the right things, mm-hmm. but I personally did not prepare myself mm-hmm. for the transition because I, I went to the school and I walk up and there is, I, I'm going to have a lump in my throat just talking about it. There's like 11 boys clamoring on each other. Half of them are wailing. Mm -hmm. And my son's in the mix. All those emotions are there. And I was like, oh my gosh, like this is massive. And I text message to mother and I'm like, it is so mean of you (laughs) to send me to pick up the boys. And you know, why are you here with me? (laughs) And, um, And it just took me completely off guard because I felt like, they're transitioning, right? Yes. Like they're the ones transitioning. I'm doing the good job of like making my son, sure my son has, you know, the right raft built mm-hmm. for his friend to leave. But I wasn't personally, emotionally preparing myself. Yes. And I honestly wonder if I was doing enough before to have conversations with my son about how he was processing it, right? Mm-hmm. I had set up the events Yes. But not as much the conversations. Mm-hmm. Right. And as I'm talking, my throat is like tight because that was such a it was such a sad scene mm-hmm. that I walked into. And I I I, I was not ready because I felt like, yay, we're gold. You know, I've yes. got another year or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I think mm-hmm. it's really important that I'm just gonna sort of reiterate what Elisa just said. If you are in an international school system, even if you live in the local country, like in Switzerland, I know Swiss who go to international school systems, your kids are still in transition because kids go and they fall in love with their friends and they have to say goodbye. And it's special if you're the stayer versus if you're the leaver. So I think it's really important. Mm -hmm. So what advice, what advice would you give for the stayers and leavers that, that you think is missed? You know what I mean? So I don't, yes. So I don't think it's missed um, on purpose, but I think it's missed that we as parents always want to make sure that our kids are okay. Mm-hmm. So we want to solve everything for them. We mm-hmm. want to make sure that they're not hurting. Where in turn, I think as parents, we have to A, cut yourself a break because you <laughs> even now you're getting yeah, that right, lump in right, your throat right. and you're, yeah. you did best you could. And yeah. I think that is the thing about um, parenting. Mm-hmm. We all do the best we can by our kids. Yeah. And, um, you know, hindsight is always twenty twenty. So right. we can always, we would have done it differently. So, but now you're going to remember yeah. for next time when, when like this year, when mm-hmm. um, um, your son's... Um, friends leave, mm-hmm. you're going to have those conversations yeah. with him. And, and we have, okay. we have. And there, you yeah, have done have. it already. Yeah. So it's different, right? Yeah. So I think 
Um, cutting yourself a break as a parent and also realizing that you are in transition as well. Not only your children are in transition. Mm-hmm. Um, that's important yep. uh, because feelings come up in transition that we felt that we dealt with. Um, and we oftentimes forget ourselves and we want to mm-hmm. make sure our kids are okay. So we want to make sure that, you know, we equip them the right way. So we we encourage them and we jump in with mm-hmm. those you know, oh, sweetie, don't worry. You know, when we move to Switzerland, mm-hmm. uh, this is going to be the first time ever that uh, we're going to be living in the snow country and mm-hmm. you have no idea. And I'm going to share all the stories from my own childhood and we're going to mm-hmm. ski, learn. You're going to learn how to ski, you know, and mm-hmm. we're going to do all these things as a better. family. We, yes, and we encourage, encourage, encourage mm-hmm. without comforting or actually recognizing and validating that emotion of loss. Yeah. So that's what we talked about with Ruth and Rick in episode yes. 125 about the difference between when we're grieving that we really need to work on comforting before we encourage. And I think it's especially interesting right now with parenting because it's all about like positive affirmation and attachment parenting and um, really trying to you know help your children see the bright side yes. and all of that. Mm-hmm. And it can actually be really developmentally damaging for your kids in their grief process. And I actually posted a topic about this um, in my Facebook group, Expats on Purpose. And one woman who grew up as a third culture kid said her kid, her parents never gave her space to grieve. Mm-hmm. So 30 years later, when she has her kids, mm-hmm. she's processing her grief from way, way, yes. way back then, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. even though it's uncomfortable, I think it's important for us to comfort before encouragement and I think like you were saying for us, like I'm losing a friend this year who's moving Mm -hmm. and have I done a good enough job at like throwing myself a pity party, right? Like this is hard. This is going to be sad. Right. And I know, and I have seen the pity party and that was pretty fun. (laughs) (laughs) And I have attended the pity party and that was really, yeah, that was really not something I would like recorded. (laughs) It was an expat happy hour. Let's just say it like that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, but I think it's something we need to do. Um, so just to reiterate here, comfort before encourage. So what would that look like? So if I want to say, if I really wanted to say, oh, honey, you'll have new friends and you'll find other people. And don't worry, that other friend is still here. That's what I want to do. And I know that's not the right mm-hmm. thing. What should I do instead? How can I comfort? So recognizing the feeling. I know you're really sad. I know this sucks. I know this is this is feeling awful. You know what? I am going through my own transition as well. My friend so-and-so is leaving. And you know, I can relate to how you're feeling. Mm. It is really sad. Mm -hmm. And I feel your pain, basically. And then just like sit together, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, you can sit together in silence. You can stroke your kids, you know, Mm -hmm. hair and just say, I know. And Mm -hmm. sit in sadness, allow the time to feel sad because sometimes, you know, sadness is uncomfortable. And a lot of times as adults, we feel like we don't want our kids to be sad. Let's fix it. Let's focus on the future where in turn, Mm -hmm. you really need to allow them and Mm -hmm. give them that permission and also give that permission to yourself. Because I think, um, you know, as much as we want to, um, um, think positively and be strong and be, we also have to allow ourselves Yes, grief time, mm-hmm. the grieving, the mourning, the loss, and and you know, and it's okay to be sad. Mm-hmm. We want to let our kids um, allow them and allow ourselves. And when you allow yourself to feel sad, and when you talk about it with your with your kid, 
it allows them to be said and it gives them mm -hmm. time and and you know encouragement comes later well and i want to ask the audience to think about how many times have you cried in front of your kids mm -hmm. during transition like how many times have you missed a friend and hid your sadness mm -hmm. right and what if you were uh, you were able to create more space for that and said I'm, I'm struggling right now. And what would that do for your kid? What would that teach your kid? And I think that would be a great thing to do because a lot of mm -hmm. us don't want to appear weak because mm -hmm. then we feel like our kids will not feel supported. Right. And it's actually counterintuitive because mm -hmm. through you, your or mm -hmm. me feeling, yeah. showing my kid, yeah. yes, I'm going through this as well. I am upset. I'm having a difficult time. And of course, mm -hmm. then not just using our children as right. our, you know, Pillows. our therapist, yeah, right, or, right. but just saying, I understand, mm -hmm. you know, and so yes. it's modeling it. Now I'm jumping in here with an aside because after the interview, Elisa grabbed a book from my table. The book is called The Discomfort Zone. And she looks me square in the eyes and she says, Sunday, this is it. What if we taught our kids to do a better job at sitting in the discomfort? What if we as parents taught ourselves to sit in the discomfort? And she's right. This is everything that I do in coaching as well. When we're coming up against a feeling that's uncomfortable, like fear or grief, what we want to do is move away from it. Dr. Martha Beck calls it the ring of fire, that we get up to the heat and it burns and we want to move away. But the only way through our emotions, the only way to go to the other side is to walk through the discomfort, to sit in it till it burns off and we can transform it to understanding. So sitting in that discomfort of grief and loss and transition and all of those things is a big part about understanding that our kids are always in transition. Aliza went on to talk about the second thing she wishes that every international school parent knew, and that is don't assume anything. She starts off by talking about when we as parents meet others who seem like us, we can't assume that we know how they parent. And she brings up this topic when it comes to child protection. You know, um, I, I was just in, um, we did a child protection um, lessons mm -hmm. with our kids, all of our school actually in January. And it was just interesting in terms of how, um, how different our cultural values are. And mm -hmm. we as parents oftentimes assume that our kids, friends, parents, maybe mm -hmm. because they're also American or maybe because they're also French or Canadian or whoever they mm -hmm. are, right. we assume oftentimes they have very similar values to ours. And we right. don't have those conversations about, you know, like what, like, for example, when you come to my house, you know, there's certain rules, mm -hmm. right? And when I would ask kids, so, you know, do you, are you guys allowed sleepovers? Mm -hmm. And a lot of the kids, and you know, that is also a very cultural thing. Mm -hmm. Um, whether you're allowed to sleep over 
and whose house are you allowed to sleep over? Mm -hmm. Some right. parents, you know, only culturally similar people. Right. So meaning Americans with Americans, but it's an international community, you mm -hmm. know, like it doesn't right. really mean that we have the same values. Some people only family members, but we don't have any family members right. in this country. Right. 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 Um, so it's, it's all, you know, different, but I think it's important to have these types of conversations, you know, is when, when, um, you have a play date in your house, is there an adult present? So mm -hmm. I asked that very question mm -hmm. in our child protection right. lessons. And my, in, so in my head, it's like a plate. Of course, there's going to be an adult mm -hmm. present, right? Yes. And the answer is, and the answer is over half of the, the students in, in um, a class and not every class, but mm -hmm. in many different classrooms from grade one, actually from grade pre-K or KG to grade five would say no, would say, yeah. you know, sometimes or not during the whole time, because mm -hmm. sometimes the parents go out, you know, to dinner um, and, you know, they're just a phone call away. Right. But, you know, what happens if my arm hair is standing up? Like, I am, like, <laughs> protecting my kids already. I'm not even, this is, like, a fantasy scenario. I am already, like, ready to jump on something like a rabid tiger. Right? Like, for me, and this is, again, it's a cultural thing. I, it's not even in my brain to think I would leave my young kids alone, mm -hmm. I, even if they can dial a telephone, right? Right. That's just, for me, I just had that physical response. For other people, it's like, relax. Mm -hmm. they're fine. Mm -hmm. You know, like my kids are independent and capable mm -hmm. and it's a safe environment and also how safe it is compared to where they have lived. Right. right? right. So it's so relative. So this, I'm going to just recap here. This, what we started talking about the understanding of, um, you know, as an international school counselor, you want to tell people, keep in mind, your kids are in transition and also honor that you're in transition. We talked about when we have that grief, comfort before, encourage. And now what I'm hearing you say is that because we're in an international environment, we can't assume mm -hmm. similarity. And what I think yes. is the most interesting is when we can't assume, you know, when you're in this international environment, people might look different and sound different from mm -hmm. you. Yes. So when you find people who look and sound like you, yes. you assume similarity. <laughs> yes. And actually what we've talked about privately is don't assume you understand their background. Yes. Because you might share a national passport, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but your cultural values might be totally different, totally different, influenced by your religion, your life experience, where you've lived abroad, et cetera, mm -hmm. et cetera. Yes. And what I'm hearing from you is that it could be as something as important as child safety. Exactly. Child safety. And that is, you know, verified by the children who I serve as mm -hmm. a counselor. And when, um, you know, when asked a lot of kids very openly shared things like, do you, you know, are you allowed sleepovers? Yes, I'm allowed sleepovers. So, you know, was there an adult present or how many of you have had, a, you know, not even sleepover, a play date afternoon mm -hmm. uh, where an older sibling was watching you? Mm -hmm. So how many, you know, of you know that older sibling? Yes. So how much older were they? Um, and, you know, I went through like they're in third grade, they're in fourth grade, they're mm -hmm. in fifth grade. So sometimes it would be siblings that's that's only two years older. So sometimes right. they're, you know, 10 and the kids they're watching right. or eight or seven. It sounds like 1982, actually. <laughs> I grew up like that. <laughs> Sometimes when I worry about my parenting, I'm like, you know what? We made it. Like the, I, that's kind of what happened in 1982 with my family. Um, Mom, I hope you're not listening. 
But Sunday, did you have a swimming pool? In no, house? but we all we did play with knives and mm. we did start fires and we did explode blenders. We did light off fireworks with our bare hands. And I hope my son isn't listening now that I say this. Um, there's something else about here. We are in a cultural transition ourselves. And you might feel so different of your in your location mm-hmm. that when you do see someone from your national passport or mm-hmm. whatever, mm-hmm. where you're like hungry for similarity, yes. and then you mm-hmm. miss that. Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing I think is interesting is that I navigated in West Africa was the nanny culture. I yes. didn't grow up in a nanny mm-hmm. culture. Mm-hmm. Switzerland doesn't have a nanny culture. So when we got to West Africa, there was a nanny culture. They call them nunus. And there were pools. Mm-hmm. And I remember explicitly saying in this one situation, no pool, like mm-hmm. under no circumstances mm-hmm. can my kids go in the mm-hmm. pool. Mm-hmm. And it was in my mind, crystal clear. Mm-hmm. And, um, I came over where the two nannies that were in charge of the families were there and they had their swim trunks on mm-hmm. and they were about to jump in to the pool. Mm-hmm. And I, I lost it. I was like, are you kidding me? Because it was about like seriously scary for me with my kids. And, um, one of the nannies was on the phone with the mother to ask, is it okay? Because mm-hmm. the young, the one of the boys was basically bossing his nanny around, so, right? So yes. So I think that's another interesting um, phenomenon that in international, um, just living internationally. Yes, the nanny culture, but also who is boss? We yep. assume that the adult is in charge. Right. However, in many uh, nanny cultures, it's the child mm-hmm. because. They will tell the nanny um, many times what to do, and the nanny is employed, and they're um, many times uh, worried about losing their their, their jobs, jobs. Or yep. the child would say something, and the parents would would believe that you know, mm-hmm. and and they're just fearful. So they allow children. You thought you were crystal clear, right? You thought this adult in charge was going mm-hmm. to be safe, and by being safe, that meant no swimming pool because that adult probably. I'm assuming was, was not, I mean, they had swimming trunks, so maybe they could swim, but you know, not many Mm -hmm. adults have been exposed to swimming because, you know, I mean, well, West Africa, there's, in West right. Africa, the nannies did not grow up with pools. Well, exactly. Nor is there a lot of water. <laughs> well, exactly. So right. it's just an right. assumption. I, right. I think it's a fair assumption to make. And, um, and as you know, and, and those children just mm-hmm. wanted to do it. So the nannies went along with it. Um, because, because, and that's terrifying Mm -hmm. as a parent thinking, wow, like had Mm -hmm. I not gotten there in time, my children could, it could have been a disaster. So it brings up a topic that we talked about earlier about, we need to be, to not assume anything and be really transparent. And we even went as far as talking about what if, um, what if every family had house rules and we presented as if we like literally printed them out and presented them (laughs) to families like, and that is a great idea. I love that idea, but also it's kind of socially awkward. <laughs> yeah. So how do you do that? How can, what do you recommend for international school families? If you do want to be transparent, you don't want to make assumptions. What can we do to, per, to keep our kids safe Yes. and to support the development of our kids? So what I would suggest is, um, before any play dates and before, um, you know, either having play dates in your home or somebody else's home, uh, getting together as families mm-hmm. with the other family, because you're going to be able to tell, and not that you're doing this like um, hidden research or mm-hmm. secret research on this family, but I think it's just from the the kids interacting with the family and from their food choices and, you know, mm-hmm. all the things that just mm-hmm. come out when you're hanging out and how right. they address their parents and 
what's allowed and what's not allowed. Are they allowed to drink Coke? You know, I mean, <laughs> your kid might go to a friend's house and drink 27 Cokes because they're not allowed in their own home. Right. So they're just like going for are it. Are they playing, right? um, are they playing Fortnite? Are they playing Fortnite? Are they you know? supervised at restaurants? Exactly. Do, do they go to the bathroom on their mm -hmm. own in a restaurant, you know, mm -hmm. or are they, that's another thing that came up mm -hmm. during my uh, child safety discussion. How many of you go, uh, you know, to the toilet in a restaurant on your own. Kids, kids raise their hands. How many of you are scared? Like kids, you know, half the class well, raises their hands. And I think for, from a context perspective, I live in South Africa, so I don't feel comfortable letting my kids mm -hmm. run around in a public restaurant and not being attended in a bathroom in right. Switzerland. I would let my kids do that. Right. So, um, I think it depends, like that example makes so much sense to me yes. being mm -hmm. in, in, um, a newcomer, let's say in, in South Africa. So people's assumptions mm -hmm. are based on their cultural context and their experience in the yes. past mm -hmm. and where their, um, their heightened sensitivity is. Some of our people mm -hmm. work in security. Yes. So we hear stories mm -hmm. or we have friends who've had personal experience. So our alertness might be way higher than people who aren't exposed to that. So for me, I think it is, um, it has raised my awareness, this experience being in so many international families mm -hmm. and watching examples, some that are totally in alignment with my values and mm -hmm. some that are like, that blow my mind. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, to, it raises my awareness around um, how transparent am I or what questions mm -hmm. I ask. Mm -hmm. But I like this idea of before we do the sleepover, before whatever, we just spend time together as families and you yeah. can observe mm -hmm. and, and learn. One thing I want to ask you, um, now, I know you can only speak from your experience and it's not, maybe there's no science to back it up, but I want to hear what I think every parent wants to know. There's two questions. The first one is, when is a good time to move our kids and when's a bad time, right? Can you just share your thoughts on that? Okay. So this is not really, I mean, I think we naturally assume that the school um sort of the completion of grade five and the completion of grade eight and perhaps the completion of grade 12 you know 12 i mean obviously yeah. they're 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 moving to universities are good times to move now five let me just, just recap after here five, five after five after, after eight, eight and after 12 because it's after middle school okay. after junior high as some people might call it going into high school mm -hmm. and then from high school to university so these bridge points there's yes. already a transition so I would say that is not a good time. Isn't that so surprising? Your kids in my experience. But listen, I have to stop there. Isn't that interesting, <laughs> right? Because most of us, myself included, I've thought, well, they're transitioning anyway. Right. Let's use this opportunity. There's, it's a time of change anyway. Tell us why you see it differently. So again, this is not really, I have not found research on uh, third culture kids or international kids, or I have not looked yeah. for research. This is just something that came up in our conversation as we yeah. were chatting over coffee. And years and years of experience. Yes. Right? And years and, and just my own observations uh, from uh, kids who transition. I would say that in my experience, I would move my child, which I'm not doing, <laughs> right. but you know, cause sometimes you can't help it. If I you would, can choose, if I could choose, I would do it after grade four mm -hmm. because they still have grade five mm -hmm. um, to kind of get used to the new environment, the new school. And as you know, grade five is still under elementary or primary school and they have one teacher, they have specialist teachers. However, their classmates, they don't, they don't do much, um, 
transitioning within the school day. So they transition as a group rather than mm-hmm. as an individual. Right. So I'm going to say this is like same, same, but different, yes. right? We're going to move, and, but we're going to stay in elementary. So yes. we're in a new country, new context, but I'm still in elementary. Yes. So rather I, than. Rather than after elementary and before middle. Yeah. Where it's like, oh my gosh, now I'm not only transitioning country, I'm transitioning the way I do school, which when you say it makes so much sense, right? You know, there is that sense of belonging to in grade Mm -hmm. five, you belong to Mr. or Miss so-and-so's class. So you still have that sense of like, I'm still little, I'm Mm -hmm. belonging to this class. You get it. You, you know, you, you can build some friendships that hopefully those friends are not going to move at the end of that, that uh, grade five school year. So I would recommend if at all possible, Mm -hmm. moving sooner Mm -hmm. or after grade six. So after you have already been to middle school okay, and you, I mean, it's going to be a transition anyway, but you are then used to. So that you're saying, okay, I know middle school. I've done middle school. Now it's same, same, but different again. I'm going to go from middle school to middle school, but it is um, with new people. So what's really, I see that, right? So it lessens the blow or lessens the complexity. Yes. But what about friends? Like, tell us about the developmental side, right? Like the the side that I don't know about, the child development. But let me just, can I just finish up in terms of, um, so I would say, actually, no, it, it ties together. So middle school right? Like every parent's worry, nightmare, (laughs) you know, we all remember ourselves in Mm -hmm. middle school, awkward, Mm -hmm. just odd times, you know? Um, So what I would say is middle school, if you can avoid moving during, during middle school, Mm -hmm. I would avoid moving during middle school. However, I would also count ninth grade as middle school. (laughs) Okay. Because ninth grade is just a very, very tough year. So I would say sixth grade is tough. Mm -hmm. Ninth grade is tough. So if you can do it all in one chunk, six, seven, eight, nine. So if you have a four year stint. Yes, I would do that. Six, seven. I would do five, six, seven. Mm, keep five, okay. six, and seven together. Yeah, keep five, six, and seven. Okay. Or mm-hmm. um, do like seven, eight, nine. Keep seven, eight, and nine together. Yes. And tell us why, developmentally, why is this important? So developmentally, I mean, when our kids live in one culture, right? Mm-hmm. Kids go through um, just, you know, in, in your um, early years, you kind of look at the culture. And I mean, this is not a conscious process, right? Right. Um, so you look at the culture during your um, middle school years, kind of, um, you test it out. And then... Um, you assimilate. Um, when you move a child during middle school, they're going through that awkward time. Mm-hmm. And then they're also going through a transition. Right. So it's a double whammy. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times going through that awkward time and the friendships, they're looking towards their friends for validation. They're looking to their friends for, for conf- you know, they confide in their friends rather than confiding in their parents. So it's very different yeah. Then it gets disrupted. That that developmental time gets disrupted. Yeah. Right? So, so Remo Largo talks about how at what is it, age eleven or twelve, mm-hmm. you the your needs and and connection ch- shifts from parents to 
friends, to peers. right? Mm-hmm, to peers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's like a really important phase for us to pay attention. It's to. a really important phase because we also, some parents will tell you, I feel like, like we're, we're losing touch with our kid. I don't know what's mm-hmm. going on. You know, I'm not quite sure. Now it's important to remember that's a very, um, normal thing for kids. Um, They detach from their parents, Mm -hmm. right? And they they look towards their uh, peers uh, for validation. However, moving and not having, knowing those peers, there's no trust, there's no safety. So if Mm -hmm. you have to develop, work on developing those relationships, and I mean, third culture kids, kids, a lot of times they develop those relationships, we develop relationships quickly. However, um, you know, the depth of those relationships or getting to, we have trouble getting close to people. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so I would say if at all you can, I mean, it's not, again, it is not catastrophic mm-hmm. to move during middle school. Right. You know, but if you could avoid it, if you have a choice and some of us have a choice, you know, when we move like a year here or there, you know, we mm-hmm. have that flexibility. I would recommend moving somewhere in fifth grade, staying, then perhaps going through middle school. And, you know, if you, if you can, if you, if you want to move eighth grade, great. If you could stay for ninth. That's, that's also good. Um, But I think those, you know, building those friendships during those years of middle school is difficult. Yeah. And so what that, what that says to me is um, it's even more important because a lot of times we can't choose that. It's even more important that we show up with our strategies Mm -hmm, to support mm -hmm. our kids, the comfort before encourage, creating the raft, all the things that we know from the books on third culture kids. It is so much more important for us to show up. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I know this is where we agree. We have to show up for ourselves, make mm-hmm, sure that mm-hmm. we're okay so we can support our kids. Mm-hmm. One thing that, um, that came up to me when I was in the Families and Global Transition Conference, we talked about it before too, that if we are, you know, fancy pantsy, we're savvy about what a third culture <laughs> kid is, right? We're raising yes. our kids during their developmental years outside of the passport country of their parents. What we don't always know mm-hmm is that when we look in the mirror, we're actually staring at a third culture adult. Yes. I don't think that is, it's in the literature, it's with us nerds, right? Who love to yes. read about this stuff, <laughs> but not you guys who are cool and listening and you know spend your time doing other things besides reading academic literature. But um, if you're listening to this and you're raising your kids abroad, the chances are is that you're a third culture adult, meaning you have spent a significant amount of your time in adulthood living outside of your passport country and your frame of reference, your worldview has been influenced by that. And you see the world differently than those people who've never left their passport culture. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. Why does that matter, Elisa? Why does that matter? Because I think as third culture adults, our values, it's, it's what we talked about uh, earlier, our values, just because we meet someone from our passport culture doesn't mean that our values are the same or mm-hmm. our stories are the same. So I think um, never assume you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. would be a very um, wise kind of um, uh, phrase to live by. Um, is just talking to people and finding out what are you about? You know, like how, like what different countries have you lived in? Oh, tell me about your journey. Tell me about, you know, because that is our identity. Mm-hmm. So I would say no third culture kids are alike, mm-hmm. even if they are from the same family, because remember developmentally, mm-hmm. they move during different time of their development. So they would be influenced, you know, in, in different ways. That's really important. I think yes. people need to hear that again. Your kids are not alike, 
even though they're in the same family, they have moved during different developmental phases. Like my kids are three and three quarters year apart. Mm -hmm. So their moves have impacted them differently. Yes. Also the cultures where they moved during the time when, Mm -hmm. when they moved, right? You're in South Africa. If you were to move um, to uh, the Middle East or to South America in a few years, it's going to, and, and um, you know, one of your children is, um, in middle school or in high school, one of your children is still in primary school. Very different yeah. impact because also, of language the host inc- culture. Right. And like my children, one of my children speaks really good Swiss German, the other one not, because of when they left Switzerland. Exactly. So their cultural identity, their even their mother tongue yes. is different mm-hmm. um, because of where they grew up. So I think that's really important for people to say. But I feel like I interrupted you. That was just so important. I wanted to make sure people were listening. What else about us as third cultural adults? You said that matters. About us as third culture adults. So just learning our own journey because, um, I mean, listening to to your prior podcast, I know that also like our work is such an important part of our identity. Mm -hmm. And if you're a trailing spouse or if you have a home business or if you change businesses, because many of us change what we do when we move from country Mm -hmm. to country. Um, I think just knowing that, that, you know, perhaps your identity used to be as a trailing spouse, mm-hmm. but now you have a business or you've tried something new or you, I mean, mm-hmm. all of that is our identity. Yeah. Um, not necessarily our culture identity, but what makes me, who am I? So I would say we're all unique. And I know mm-hmm. it's such a, like, oh, like it's an overuse, like each yeah. person is so unique, but it, it's, it's, it's truly Third Mm -hmm. culture kids, third culture adults, even if they're from the same family, Mm -hmm. we are truly unique because there isn't another Sunday out there who has lived in these countries and moved at the the particular Mm -hmm. time. And there isn't another Elisa Mm -hmm. who moved at the particular time and to these different countries. Our Our stories are our own. Yes. And our stories are unique. So what I'm hearing from that is taking the time, I think one, to really see our own story. Cause I don't think yes. we give ourselves enough mm-hmm. credit for our transitions and what we're going mm-hmm. through. Mm-hmm. And then taking the time to get to know people through their stories. And I, that's, it connects with this idea of I'm looking for similarity, mm-hmm. right? Actually, what if we look for nuance? For nuance and what we just, you know, reading stories, I think what, what um, I have sort of grown to over the, the past, you know, being a counselor and working with kids in transition, what I like them to create is either their like storybook of their lives. And, mm-hmm. you know, I would typically say, Hey, so how many countries have you lived in? What were some, and what were some of the things that you miss about those countries? And what are some of the things that you remember? And, you know, we just chat and mm-hmm. and through that, they just like draw and paint and I write mm-hmm. and it's not like a perfect book with perfect illustrations, but it's their story, their story. you know, and, and they can always add about the next move or they can, but it's just like their story as they see it when they're this old, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's a movie, whether it's this, this, I think, um, also, you know, creating a, a book as a family, mm-hmm. um, could you be know, a great could, be, idea. could be a great idea, just a fun project. And right. then everybody contributes the way they want, whether it's pictures, whether it's, you know, um, drawings, whether it's you tell me the story and mommy will write it, mm-hmm. um, for you, whether, you know, you add things, whether you cross things, whether you, and, and then also, you know, in that story, what's really cool to do is adding emotions. Mm-hmm. 
you know, because that actually teaches our kids and, 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 and a big part of transitioning is emotional regulation. Mm-hmm. So that gives our children a permission because a lot of times when I go into the classrooms and I say, so, you know, how did that make you feel when we do, especially when we do conflict resolution and things that come up as angry, mad, um, or sad. Those mm-hmm. are the three feelings, but yep. you know, what if, what if we, um, taught our children more about, you know, differentiating between, because a lot of times kids polarize their feelings yep. and that's, you know, also part of development, right? So kids say it's, it's all good or it's all bad, or, right. you know, living in this country was all good or it mm-hmm. was all bad. But what if we, you know, talk about frustration and we talk about annoyance and we talk about that brute, right. where does this mad and this sad and this angry come from? Right. You know, it came from being frustrated. It came from being lonely. It came from being, um, you know, um, 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 feeling um, like I was not included, that I was excluded. And, you know, all of those are also our own yep. feelings, mm-hmm. right? As expats mm-hmm. moving into right. a, and, and, you know, going as taking it a step for, further and just, you know, going through it, talking and, and that also gives our kids a permission. And it's so ironic because these are the things that we want to cover up. These are the things we don't want to happen. These mm. are the things we want to prevent. So I did, I I did a talk in one of my Facebook groups about, um, about transition. And she said, how can I make the transition easier for my kids? Mm -hmm. And I jumped all over that. I'm like, that's actually not our job to make it easier. Mm -hmm. It's I, and this is what came up in the episode with Ruth and Rick in in episode 125 is I think we need to be midwives to our children's grief. We need to help them labor through grief and we need to labor through our own but what we really want to do is shut it off, like not see it, put it under the rug. And I think, you know, when we talk about it now and we talked about it with another episode that we really need to see that grief is a sign that something was really good. We liked the space, we liked um, the friends and that grief is a natural honoring of loss of something good. And also that having negative feelings is okay. You know, because mm-hmm. a lot of times, you know, with the whole idea of growth mindset mm-hmm. and being positive and, you know, those are all excellent, excellent ideas mm-hmm. and excellent ways of being. But it's also important for our kids to to feel like they have a permission to be sad sometimes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, crap things happen in life. And you know what? We recognize them yeah. and we don't pretend that they're not there or we don't omit them or we don't just say, you know what? yes, we had a bad day, but it was a day and tomorrow's a new day. And we're going to just not talk about Mm -hmm. this. Sometimes we don't even say we're not going to talk about this, but we say tomorrow is a new day. So you're going to get up with a great attitude. And, and Mm -hmm. we feel like we're doing like, because this is how I think as adults, we're we're encouraging. encouraging. And as adults, we do that. Yeah. So I think, of course, if your child is in, you know, and, and also, remembering that grief doesn't take a day to get over. (laughs) And just because your child is in grief doesn't mean that they're like depressed forever and ever. But I do want to alert the international parents that Mm -hmm. grief, anxiety, our children are at at the higher risk for grief and anxiety. Mm -hmm. Um, And, um, you know, there is, and that's probably like a story for Mm -hmm. another podcast, Mm -hmm. but um, they're at a higher risk for grief and anxiety Mm -hmm. um, just because of um, how, the, the moves and the losses and mm-hmm. the um, unresolved grief that they that they mm-hmm. face. Right. So what if we as parents did more to support them in their processing? My hope is that we will help them learn how to manage that, work through it, um, and reduce their 
levels of anxiety. Absolutely. And I think the way of doing that is number one, give yourself permission to be real with your kids. Mm -hmm. Give yourself permission to be real with your kids. And I also feel like you have to give yourself permission to not you as an individual to matter Mm-hmm. in your transition. Absolutely. Because we often put our kids first yes. and we help our kids transition mm-hmm. and actually we're falling apart yes. <laughs> and we have no idea until and, we get there. Or we wait until yeah. they go to school and right. like we, we like stay in, at home and, yeah. and, you know, decide not to make friends because it's too hard. Cause last time it was too hard or we yep. still con- are connected with our um, old friends. Right. Or yeah. So give yourself permission to to be real. Like if mm-hmm. you're sad, be sad. Yep. If you are upset, be upset and name your feelings. Yep. I feel lonely. Mm-hmm. This is so important too, because I, I grew up in a family culture where there was a lot of harmony mm-hmm. and um, we had a, a really a nice, I had a really nice childhood and I, I knew unconditional love. Mm-hmm. And if there was any sort of conflict that was going on, it was usually under the surface. Mm-hmm. So um, some of the, I think that as kids, if things are usually kept at the everything is all right mm-hmm. sort of mode, you aren't prepared to deal with mm-hmm. conflict. And when you get out there in the real world, <laughs> it's like being yeah. an adult is hard, yes. right? And so if you weren't equipped with those skills when you were young, you have to somehow try to make it up as you go along when you're an adult, when when you need it most. So I do think we we do our kids a massive service when we teach them that. Yes. And also, you know, something that we were chatting um, about before is sometimes we feel that, you know, one of our kids is um, good at making friends, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, oh, so-and-so is good at making friends because, you know, they, they connect easily and they are, you know, that usually means that they have a high EQ, but that also usually goes um, in hand in hand with them being sensitive. Mm -hmm. So, those are the kids you need to watch out for. If they are staying and many of their friends are leaving, mm-hmm. watch out, mm-hmm. help grieve. And yes, we set up events. We set up, but like what you said, help process. Yep. And that's, I think, going to be the biggest takeaway for me is I know this obviously in my head, <laughs> right? Yes. But it's like living it mm-hmm. is the part. So for me, I'm taking away, I mean, that's also for one, I've, my two boys, their personalities are very different and one makes friends really easily. And it would be so easy for me to encourage mm-hmm. and say, oh, it's okay, honey, a new friend will come next year when actually I'm hearing from you is spend more time with the comfort and um, not just put the play dates and sleepovers, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. actually be there processing. Thankfully, my husband's really good at that too. I'm like, who's the specialist here? He's the, <laughs> he's the one who's watching. I'm like, okay, honey, I'm paying attention now. Um, so I know we could talk for ages, yes. um, but just if, if you could leave our listeners with one last word of wisdom, you have so much experience. You've seen so many families around the world and so many continents What can we leave from your wisdom? What can you leave us with? I would say, give yourself a break. You're doing the best you can. Mm -hmm. You are a good parent. We are good parents. Everybody wants what's best for their children. Mm -hmm. Cut yourself a break and just be real. It's okay to have a crap day. It's also okay to feel lonely, upset, and and worried. And share that with your kids. Mm -hmm. And um, comfort Okay. Mm -hmm. Um, Before encouraging. 
All right. So thank you so much for being here next bit happy hour. I'm going to just recap here because there's so many good things that we, we heard. What a unique opportunity to have an international school counselor here and tell us what she wishes every parent knew. I mean, seriously, we've got behind the scenes perspective here. Number one, your kids are always in transition. And this is something I know I've been guilty of. I'm like, we just did so much transition over 18 months in three countries, two, three continents. I wanted to sit back and relax and um, think I had a break. And I realized, oh, actually, you don't have a break. So I learned that one the hard way, even though I knew better in my head. I learned that the hard way because I wasn't living it as much as I wanted to. So number one, your kids are always in transition. So if your kids are staying and other kids are leaving, do pay attention because your kid is going through some sort of loss if their buddies um, are on their way. Second one is comfort before encourage. We heard that on other podcasts. It's coming up again. So pay attention to your language and how you show up for your kids, how you support and make sure that you're comforting them um, in ways beyond just setting, building the raft, right? So beyond that, these conversations on the side where you're checking in and also sharing your own grief, sharing how you feel about your friend leaving so that they are watching positive modeling um, as you go through transition. I firmly believe in my whole heart that if we get it right, if we can show up for ourselves first and we can model that for our kids, it will dramatically equip our kids with the right skills and support them in their transition in ways that are way better than stuffing it under the rug and wishing it would go away. Third thing that's new for me that I'm taking away that I, I get it, but I don't think I've had it so present in my mind is don't assume anything around when you're meeting parents that are international, even if they feel culturally similar to you, um, there's a lot we don't know about how they parent, their parenting style, their ideas around food or safety or how to do a play date, what's it permissible, not. Um, and the one way you can learn about that is spending time with the families before you dive in on sleepovers or play dates. Um, spend the time to get to know the families. There was one other thing I thought that came up about, oh, about moving. There's some ideas to think about, about counterintuitive than I would expect about moving your kids. Do you want your kids to go through a double whammy of transition? If you do, no judgment, just make sure you're doing all the things that we talked about today so you can really support yourself and support your kid. If you do have some choice, this is a unique perspective, take it or leave it, right? But I thought it was an interesting perspective around considering the impact of your move. Again, this is coming from Elisa's extensive experience working one-on-one -on -one with families around the world. So it's been such a pleasure to have Aliza here with us. What a gift. And I know I'm personally taking away um, from this podcast many things, and I hope that you have the same. I will leave you with a following quote. The quote is from Ann Landers, which is a pen name created by the Chicago Sun-Times, an advice columnist. Although it seems light, the wisdom is deep. It's not what you do for your children, but what you have taught them to do for themselves that will make them successful human beings. Um. <laughs>